And you, of course, remember what that Hebrew word means. Hallelujah. What was that, sir? Praise the Lord. So we're praising him in English. We're praising him in Hebrew. It doesn't matter. We praise the Lord because he is worthy to be praised. And that song indicated something that we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks. So turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. But that song reminds us of what we've been reading, that we are going to praise him forever. This isn't a temporary thing that we're doing this morning. Uh, It's not just practice, although I think it is in some respect practice. But this this is our lifetime activity. Not just this life, but our eternal lifetime activity. We are going to praise the Lord because he is always going to be worthy of our praises. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. And this morning, I'm only going to read a very brief part of this section that we've been reading now for the last few weeks. If this is your first time being with us, um, we're, we're going through this, this short letter uh, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. And um, it's only three chapters. It's taken us longer than three weeks to get through it um, because uh, some people say I'm slow. I don't look at it like that. Um, I just keep getting grabbed by so much of it that I don't want to pass over even the, the, the smallest details. And even at that, we're still not getting it all. But this morning, just want you to look um, at, at a brief um, statement that the Apostle Paul makes at the end of verse 10. I'll call it 10b. All right. And remember that the, the the chapter and verse numbers are not inspired. Remember that, okay? So we can play around with those. All right. This is Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse ten b. This includes you because you have believed our testimony to you. This includes you because you have believed our testimony to you. Now, who is the you? The Thessalonians. But it could also be you. Depending. What he's saying, he's following up on this great statement that he's making about the day of the Lord. And he's going to get into that again in chapter 2 very heavily. But he made that great statement as he's encouraging the Thessalonians because, remember, they were living in the first century. They were living under Roman rule. And Christians in the first century under Roman rule went through various times of very severe persecution. And the Thessalonians were no no exception. They were going through it. And the Apostle Paul, in encouraging them, was reminding them that there's coming a day when the Lord Jesus is going to return, and he's going to return in judgment And those who believe are going to be raised up to bring glory to God forever. And those who continue in their rebellion against God are going to be judged eternally and suffer eternal um, judgment. It's a very, very severe and sobering statement. But at 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 the end of that statement, he says this. He says, on the day, and he's speaking of the day of the Lord, he says, on the day... He comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at 
among all those who have believed. And then the Apostle Paul says, that includes you. That includes you. You can look forward to that day without fear, without wondering, have I been good enough? Did I go to church enough? Especially during that crazy year 2020, did I go to church enough that year? Was I excused, you know, because of the, the pandemic, because of the virus? Was it okay that I didn't go? Did, did I do enough? Did I give enough? Was the 10% I was supposed to give, was that off the net or the gross? Was that including my benefits? Did, ah! There are people wondering about their eternal condition because they're not sure about those things. And I want you to know this morning, based on the word of God, that Paul was confident in the eternal situation of the Thessalonian believers. He knew them. He shared the word of God with them. He shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them. He shared his testimony, his own story with them. And you know how they responded? They believed. Now, there were plenty of Thessalonians that didn't believe. In fact, enough that didn't believe that they chased Paul and his companions out of town. Their lives were were threatened because of their preaching of the gospel in that town. And they left. But they left behind a fledgling church that continued to thrive. And we read about this in First and Second Thessalonians. We've, we've been looking at it in this first chapter. How they have continued, even in persecution, they've continued to grow in their faith. They've continued to increase their love for each other. They've continued to persevere. Even though things were very difficult, they kept on going. All those things were signs that when they said they believed in Jesus, when Paul was there that he was confident that they were believers. And as a result, they could rest assured. And and get both of those words. Rest assured that their standing before God was complete. And they could be confident. They didn't have to wonder, am I good enough? They knew If they understood the gospel, they knew that they weren't good enough. But their hope was that Jesus was good enough. That the Son of God, who came into this world and lived a perfect life, never sinning, that when he went to the cross, he was able, because of who he was, the Son of God who never sinned, he was able to, to receive in himself on the cross the wages of our sins, the wages of the Thessalonian sins, the wages of everybody's sins who believe in him. He took their punishment. He took their wages. He took what they deserve. Because remember, that's what wages are. Those are the things that are earned. And the Bible says that what we earn living in this life is sinfully as we live it. We earn death. And Jesus said, I'll be your substitute. I'll take your wages for you. You don't have to be paid those wages. 
And the Thessalonians believed that story from the Apostle Paul. That Jesus died for them. And that they could be forgiven of their sins and they could be made into the righteousness of God himself through Jesus Christ. So that they would have hope for eternal life. So that when the Lord Jesus returned, they didn't have to wonder, oh no, is this a good day or a bad day? They could look forward to it. They could long for his appearing because they know that they are going to stand with him because they believe in him. They believe in him. Not they did enough good things for him. Not they prayed enough prayers to him. Not they gave enough money to him or for him. Not they sang beautiful songs or preached messages or memorized verses or did many, many good things throughout their lives. No, it is because they believe in him. That is what matters. Now, certainly, that belief impacts our lives, no doubt about it. But that impact on our lives is not why we have confidence that we will rise with him when he returns, if we're still alive. Or return with him if we pass away and enter glory before that great day of the Lord. Either way, our confidence should be sound and secure. You see, he was very confident in expressing that confidence for the Thessalonians. Did you notice that confidence with the psalmist this morning, as Mark read from Psalm 23? Did you notice the confidence of of David? Did you see where he said he was going to be dwelling forever? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a bold statement. How could he know that? How could he know that he was going to be one of those that was going to be saved and was going to live with God forever? Because he, like Abraham before him, in Genesis 15, you'll see this, he believed. Not because he was so good. We know the story of King David. He wasn't so good. He wasn't basing his confidence in his goodness. He was basing his confidence in the righteousness of God to be demonstrated in history through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. See, King David, his confidence was the same as ours. He was just looking forward to the Messiah. We're looking back. We're looking back to the cross. He was looking forward to the coming of that king. Well, now we're looking forward again to his return. And we can have full confidence on that day because, like the Thessalonians, we believe. Do we? Do we believe? Well, this is a question that can't be answered corporately. This is a question that's answered individually. Do you believe? Are you included in this you? When he says, and this includes you. Is he talking about you? He is, if you believe. And so that's the question. Do you believe? Or are you still counting maybe a little bit, just in case, just in case it's not all about believing in it, in it and we should be doing some stuff too? Can I just kind of count a little bit on my good stuff? No. No, you can't. You count on Jesus. You believe in what he did for you. Don't think that you can add to it. 
but also don't think that you can take away from it. Because he gives us himself. He died completely and utterly on that cross. He didn't hold anything back. He gave himself up for us, and he is the one that we believe in. He is the one that we trust in, and that's what it means to to believe. The Apostle John put it like this in in the beginning of his letter, or in the beginning of his gospel. He was talking about so many Jew, Jewish people in Jesus' day when Jesus was living in this world. So many of his, of his brothers and sisters of Jewish descent and, and Jewish belief, so many of them didn't believe in him. They didn't receive him as the Messiah that he was. And John said, though he came unto his own, his own did not receive him. But in verse 12 he says this, but to those who received him, Excuse me, to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who received him, and and then he explains it, to those who believed on his name, to those who believe in Jesus. That, That name means the salvation of the Lord. Do you know that? And it's the and, and Jesus is the is the the Greek version of Yeshua, Joshua. The the leader of Israel who brought the children of Israel into the promised land and gave them rest from their enemies, from their slavery, from their wandering. A very temporary rest, however. The rest that our Savior, Yeshua, the one who we believe in, he gives us eternal rest. The women who are involved in the Bible study on Tuesday mornings have been looking at that in the, in the letter to the Hebrews. We are at rest now in Jesus Christ. We have ceased working. We're not trying to earn it anymore. We're not trying to earn his favor. We're not trying to deserve his salvation. We are at rest because we believe in Jesus. How can you be so sure? Because God in his word promises us that if we believe in him, we are saved. We are forgiven. We are guaranteed eternal life in his glory. I want you to turn to um, 2 Corinthians. It's, It's back toward the front of your Bible, just a couple of letters. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul adds to our confidence in these things. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Second Corinthians 1, 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, And I'll pause there just for a moment. If we took some time right now and just just with our knowledge of God's word and started listing promises of God, we could go for a while. All right? We're not going to do that, but there are a lot of promises. Look what he continues to say. "For For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, 
That's Jesus Christ. The amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What, what he's talking about, when we hear a promise of God, wonderful promises. For example, what's one of your favorite promises of God? Somebody just blurted out. Eternal life, which is what we're, a lot of what we're talking about here this morning. God has promised eternal life for everybody who believes in Jesus. And so whenever we hear of that promise or read of that promise or think of that promise, we can say, amen. Remember what amen means? So be it. Let it be. What we're saying when we say amen is we agree. And so we hear the promise that if we believe in Jesus, we are going to have eternal life with him. We say amen. That is a bold statement. It isn't, man, I hope so. Like we hope it doesn't rain tomorrow because we got a picnic planned. No. It's, I know so. And he continues to tell us why as we continue in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 1. He says, and through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And God is glorified because we are agreeing with his plan. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying, yes, God, we believe in everything that you've said and everything that you've done for us. And you know what he as the creator thinks about that? He thinks that is some great thinking, young person. And I'm calling you a young person because compared to him, you're very young. We, we need to look at ourselves as his teenagers, okay, no matter how old we are. And some of you are thinking, yikes, I don't like that comparison. Well, it's a good one. Because he, even though teenagers, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you teenagers, okay, I'm just, this is how some teenagers are. Um, not any of our current teenagers, some of our former teenagers they have a tendency to think they know everything, right? Some of, some of you used to be like that. We have that same tendency, old teenagers. And our father is like our human fathers and mothers in just being baffled at some of the thinking. And that's how he... He must be baffled sometimes with some of our thinking. But he is glorified when we think correctly, according to his word, according to his plan. And so when we say amen boldly, when we hear the promises of God, he is glorified in that. Glorified in hearing us agree with his word, agreeing with his plan, agreeing that Jesus Christ, his son, is the only way. He is horrified when people who call themselves his children say, oh, no, there's lots of ways to God. He's horrified by that. Because it's not true. Just believe it hard enough. Just be serious about it. And it doesn't matter what you believe. It's all good. No. His, this whole book is about that not being all good. He is glorified when we agree with him. And say amen to his promises because we know that they're ours, they're yes in Christ. And he continues. And he says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. 
He anointed us, set his seal of ownership in, on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This is what he's done for us. The moment we put our trust in Jesus, the moment we believed in Jesus, the moment we gave up everything else and said, I'm going to stop trying to be good enough, and I'm going to trust Jesus' goodness to be good for me. I'm going to trust that Jesus has forgiven me according to the promises that he makes in his word. The moment we did that, and it wasn't, it, it wasn't the moment we were baptized in water. It wasn't the moment we walked down an aisle. It wasn't the moment that we, it's the moment when we first believed in Jesus, whenever that came. And it may, it may be hard to pinpoint that exactly. But the moment we believed in Jesus, that he is enough, and we're not counting on anybody else or anything else. The moment we believed in Jesus, his Holy Spirit stamped us as his seal of ownership and came to live in us to help us understand his word, to help us confirm that all of these things are true and that we can believe it and that, that, that he is a, a deposit guaranteeing that there's more and better to come. The Apostle Paul was confident for his Corinthian believers and his Thessalonian believers because he knew that their trust, as he taught them, as they expressed it and proclaimed it and professed it, he was confident that they were trusting no longer in themselves, no longer some of them in their Jewish backgrounds, none of them in their pagan backgrounds where they were worshiping other gods, that they've given up all those things and they were trusting in one person alone, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the God-man, fully God, fully man, perfect, willing to die for us, and then rose again victorious over death in his resurrection. Ascended to the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places so that he would send the Holy Spirit to live in everybody who believes, guaranteeing all the promises that have been spoken, all the promises that have been made to us that are now yes to us because we believe in Jesus Christ. That's why he could be so confident for those Thessalonians when he said, and this includes you, because you believed our testimony. You see, when Paul came into into Thessalonica, he had a story to tell. Paul used to be a killer of Christians. Did you know that? In his earlier career, he was a Pharisee. That was, his, that was probably his first big job. But as a Pharisee, as, as people started believing in Jesus around Jerusalem and, and, and Judea, he saw it as his, as his service to God to root them out and kill them. When you read in the, in the book of Acts how one of the early deacons, Stephen, was stoned to death, you find out that, that Paul, the apostle Paul, who was known as Saul at that time, he was right there leading the charge for that stoning. Now he's the apostle Paul, the special sent one from God. And when he shows up in Thessalonica, he's got a story to tell. And he tells the story of Jesus, and he tells the story of how the risen Christ met him 
on the road to Damascus where he was going to try to find some more Christians to kill and to arrest and take back to Jerusalem, have them stoned. On his way there, Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, shows up right on the road. Stops him in his tracks. And saves him. Because that was enough for the for Saul, the killer of Christians, that was enough for him to change his mind to believe something different. See, he didn't believe in Jesus up to that point. He, what he believed about Jesus was that he was an imposter. He didn't believe that he was the Messiah. He didn't believe that he was the Son of God. He thought he was tricking the people. But something changed that day on the road to Damascus. And he believed that this one who showed up and stopped him in his tracks and blinded him and told him the things that he was going to do in his life, he believed that day. He believed in Jesus that day. And the Thessalonians, they believed that testimony. They believed that story. See, God's been using stories like that all these years since since Jesus ascended and went to the right hand of the Father. And he doesn't... um, He doesn't do what he did for the Apostle Paul for everybody. He does what he did through the Apostle Paul for everybody. He sends somebody. Send somebody with a story. Think of the people that he sent in your life with a story. Think of the people in your life that, in some cases, you didn't have to hear them tell their story. You watched them live their story. That was my privilege. I would have said this even had he not been here this morning. My dad's here this morning. And um, wave to him, every dad. Let him see you. Um, I, I got to watch him live his story. What a story. What a, what a privilege as, a, as a, a child, and then as a young adult, and then as an older adult, and then as an elderly person. What, a, what does that make you? Um, what a privilege to watch him live the story, to watch him live for Christ, knowing that he wasn't trying to earn it, knowing that he was a believer, and he was doing what he did for Christ because he believed. What what an honor to have a mom and dad like that. And and more than that, that I get to watch stories, but I also heard stories. You think of the people that testified for you that told you their stories and the impact that those stories had in your life to finally all all combine to where you said, you know what? I believe this. See, that's what God's doing today. Through the Apostle Paul, because of his writing, his inspired writing, remember, as an apostle, what he wrote is the word of God because God says in, in this word that he gave these words to the prophets and the apostles. So we can believe them. The Thessalonians believed his testimony. Those of us who believe here this morning, we believe his testimony. And we also believe the testimonies of others that have come along our way. Just as some other people who don't know Christ right now. And remember, this is serious. This is not casual. Remember what's going to happen on the day of the Lord. He's coming in judgment. 
And people who don't know him, it says, and don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to suffer eternal punishment. Shut out from the presence, from his presence and from his glory. Forever. It's serious. And what God is doing today, now, is people like us who believe telling our story like the Apostle Paul did, and like Silas and Barnabas did his companions and Timothy and Timothy and others. You think, well, my story is not very powerful. Yes, it is. Whatever your story is, how how you came to know Christ is powerful. Oh, it may not, it might not be quite as as dramatic as the Apostle Paul's. As a matter of fact, I'll guarantee you it's not as dramatic as the Apostle Paul's, but but it's a it's a great story. It's true. And when you share that with people, when you let them know what God has done for you, when you let them know what it's like to live a life of peace and assurance, knowing that you're going to spend eternity with God, first of all, they're going to think you're nuts. Because they don't have that. They have no idea what's going to happen to them. They're just hoping that it's not going to be too bad. When they find out that you actually have peace and confidence that you're going to spend eternity with God, they're going to scratch their heads. They're going to have to think, wait a minute. I I really like that person before they said that. They're nuts. They can't know that. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And we have the opportunity to share with them how we know that. That's part of our story. You know, these are, these are very confusing days that we're living in right now. These are very scary days that we're living in right now. It's been quite a year where everybody in the world is concerned about this same virus. And everybody in the world is getting different messages about how bad it is and how you get it and how you get rid of it. And then the vaccinations and how you get, you know, all these different things. And then a new drug coming up that maybe it's going to cure us all. All these, it's very confusing. But those of us who know where we're going and how we're getting there have peace during the midst of all this confusion and all this fear, that's a great story. That's a great testimony. And God is using that story, our story, in the lives of millions of people around the world right now. So don't be afraid and don't be shy to share your story. Well, Paul went to, to, went to incredible efforts and, and lengths to get to places like Thessalonica to share his story. We don't even have to, to, to make that big of an effort. We have people all around us who are confused and scared and would love to hear the story of somebody who's not. Well, we're not perfect. We're not, we're not sharing with them that we're perfect. We're, we're sharing with them that we believe in somebody that's perfect, Jesus Christ. And he's so perfect and loves us with perfection that he came to die so that we wouldn't have to. That's a great story. That's our story. And we can share it. And he can use it in people's lives just like he used the Apostle Paul and his companion's story in the lives of the Thessalonians. And so, back to the first question. Does this include you? Do you believe? If so, praise his name and live and walk in confidence. If not, 
What is stopping you right now? What's keeping you from believing? Do you need to know more? Do you, do you, do you, do you need to read more? I don't think so. You, you know what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. You can believe in him. You can trust in him. And all of the promises that he makes his word, you may not know many of them yet, but all of these promises are true and they are for you in Jesus Christ. He will do all of the things that he says he will do in your life. And, and, in, and in the end of it, you're going to be with him forever in sharing his glory. Would you put your trust in him this morning? I wouldn't wait. We don't know what tomorrow holds. If this year has told us anything, it's told us that. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Believe in him now. Set aside those other things. Tell him, I was confused. I didn't get it. I'm sorry for my rebellion against you. I confess the things that I've done. And thank you for the promise that you've made that you'll forgive me and give me eternal life. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the testimony of the Apostle Paul and his willingness to share it. We thank you for the results of that. The number of people in Thessalonica and Corinth and other cities as well where he went believed. And as a result of that, They were counted worthy, not because of things they've done, but they were counted worthy in Jesus to be your people, to be your children, to be your church. And here we are, Father, 2,000 years later, also counted worthy, not because of things we've done, but because we believe in Jesus, the righteous one, the holy one, the perfect one. Father, there may be some here this morning or listening in this morning who don't believe. It sounds too good to be true, maybe. That none of the things that they've done wrong are going to be held against them. That they'll be utterly, completely forgiven. But Father, help them understand that's one of the promises that is yes in Jesus Christ. That is one of the promises that they will be able, once they believe, to say amen to the glory of God. So give them the courage, give them the faith to believe even right now. Without ceremony, without special wording, but just simply believing that Jesus Christ is the one, the only one who can save them, who can forgive them, who can give them eternal life. Father, we thank you that you will send the Holy Spirit to live in each one who believes this morning, just as you've been doing throughout the history of your church. For each one of us who have believed have received your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the ministry of the Spirit in our lives, and we pray that you would use us by his power to boldly share our story so that others who are right now awaiting judgment might also find the forgiveness that we found in Christ. They might also find the, the promise of eternal life that we found in Christ. But they also put their trust in Jesus. 
Make us fruitful in our efforts in sharing our story. Prepare their hearts. You know who they are in our lives, Father, in many cases. You know exactly which family member, which coworker, which teammate, which colleague, which longtime life friend needs to hear our story. Make us fruitful in sharing it, Father, that many would be coming to Christ during these very difficult days. And we'll give you the thanks and the praise for everything that happens. In Jesus' name, amen.